Welcome to Old School, New School Broadcasting. I'm Mike Capps, partner at SHN and voice of the Round Rock Express, the AAA affiliate of the Texas Rangers. Carl Schoening alongside one of the two founders of SHN Sports. And our special guest today, Jackson Ryan. Jackson Ryan, of course, is the son of former Houston Astros business president, Reed Ryan. And uh, Reed, now the CEO, of course, and founder of the Round Rock Express. And he's the grandson of Hall of Famer Nolan Ryan. Now, baseball is in his blood, if you did not know that. His life is all about baseball. In fact, Jackson was born the same year the Round Rock Express took the field for the first time. Jackson, how in the world could you not be a baseball guy with that lineage? Yeah, thanks, Mike, and thanks, Carl, for first off having me on the show. I appreciate it, and definitely I've grown up in the game. I was born a month before Dell Diamond opened, and so, yeah, with my dad uh, being with the Astros and my grandfather playing forever and being around the Texas Rangers, I've been around the game a lot, for sure. Well, right out of the gate, the most astute young baseball man in the U.S. is Jackson Ray Ryan. I promise you that. Once you hear what he has to say about this game, about the broadcast industry's role in this game, you're going to believe, as I do, that the sky is the limit for Jackson Ryan. Now, um, let's get it all right out there. Right out of the gate, you have cerebral palsy, born with it, and you overcame that. And it's an amazing story in and of itself. When, when you look back on it, and and you've played high school baseball, Division three baseball as a pitcher. When you look back on it, how has it affected you positively or negatively, physically, spiritually, mentally, athletically? Just give us a little idea what you went through to get where you are right now. Yeah, so I'll explain CP first. So CP is a brain injury at birth and affects people's arms, legs, right side or left side of their body. And for me, it was on the right side of my body. And so I always looked at it as a positive situation with my parents being uh, supportive of me and doing everything that I could do. And being able to play Division Three baseball was very special. And, you know, to have the support from my family was a big help in me seeing CP as a positive direction. Well, and, and <laughs> we talk about this in, in athletics all the time, especially in professional baseball. And it's life is a day to day battle anyway. And so this was just one more portion of your life that you dealt with and you beat it. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, I see it as a positive direction. You either see life as it being negative or positive. And you know, what inspires me is other kids that have CP adults that have CP that are in wheelchairs that are, you know, can't walk or talk, some of them, and they're the most happy people you'll ever meet. And so, you know, that's what keeps me motivated to keep doing the best I can is because I know that I've been very fortunate to not have as bad a situation with cerebral palsy, but, you know, God has uh, given me everything that I need to have to be successful in life. We're visiting with Jackson Ryan, who is a sophomore. Is it student junior. now? Uh, You're junior? Yes, sir. Junior. Outstanding. We're getting someplace with this now at Mary Harden Baylor in Belton. And uh, he's our guest on old school, new school broadcasting as we're glad you are with us. Jackson, is there anything athletically 
you've ever been a little bit hesitant to try? Well, maybe football, tackle football. I played uh, flag football, but for me, I just didn't really want to wrap up my arm um, in a cast to play tackle football. But other than that, no, not really. I've played basketball. I've played tennis, um, other sports. And so, you know, I see it as, you know what, I want to go out and compete and do it to the best of my ability. And, you know, if I can get when I was pitching guys out, then that was my goal. And I knew I was coming in to get you know, after a guy would throw 85, 90 miles an hour, I knew I was coming in to face, you know, guys that would uh, hit, you know, three, four, five hole and try to get them out on their front foot for a double play. So that was my job. And I feel like I've been able to play everything. Well, from the coaches I've talked to and uh, people who've seen you play, you certainly did just that. Carl, do you have a question? Yeah, you know, uh, Mike was actually telling me before the broadcast that you've also kind of been a fill-in color analyst occasionally on those Round Rock Express games. And, you know, obviously Mike went over just kind of the the family support that you've had in in this baseball industry and you know uh, my my father is the play-by-play broadcaster of the San Antonio Spurs and he's been that since I was 10 years old so I kind of have somewhat uh, not quite as much uh you know uh what's the word um uh a, fa- a father figure and, and family who's very high up in kind of the the world of the sport and, and you on the baseball side you know what's the kind of I guess uh takeaway from all of your experiences, you're not the typical 21-year-old baseball brain is what I'm getting at uh, because of all of those experiences. So, you know, when it comes to just sort of a baseball mind, what have you kind of learned the most from the people that you've been around in your life from Mike Caps to obviously your family? Yeah, so I'll start off with broadcasting first. So broadcasting pictures the game for people on radio that love the game of baseball. And so to explain what the scenario is, who's coming in to face who, what kind of night is it outside. And it really paints paints a full picture for everybody. And, you know, Mike gave me the opportunity when I was younger to go up and call a couple games with them and, you know, to gain some experience there. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go on from a broadcasting perspective. Um, You know, it paints the picture for a fan to understand what's going on. And you get guys like Ben Scully that have been there forever and you know others that have done it along the way and so from a broadcasting perspective that would uh, be what I have to say but from a baseball perspective a couple of big things that I've learned this past year especially is to shut up and listen be able to understand where people are coming from from baseball from life because there's so many valuable lessons you can learn uh, really from just listening and so I feel like that's one of the biggest things I've learned well now let's back up just a bit here You, Jackson Ryan, came on the air with us at age eight. And Carl, to give you a little bit of a sense of what this was like, in those days, almost everyone seated in the seating bowl at Dell Diamond wore headsets. They don't do that so much anymore, but but they did in those days. And I remember those days. (laughs) You're right, not so much anymore. Uh, No, but, but people were riveted to Jackson. That's why, and having listened to him talk, listened to him talk in Jackie Moore, who was the manager then, listened to him talk in, in Jackie's office, it was obvious he really, really knew what he was talking about. So I said, let's try this out. And people went nuts for his commentary. And I promised Jackson I wasn't going to tell any stories, but I've got to tell the one. 
we were in, I guess this was the second year Jackson was on with us. We're playing Portland. Portland was in the Pacific Coast League in those days. And they had a shortstop, I believe it was, Jackson. And and this guy was supposed to be the next big time, big time major league shortstop. Well, he's he's playing shortstop at the AAA level. He's a step away from the big leagues. And a routine ground ball, he kicks. Jackson's response at age nine was one of the all-time classics I've ever seen or heard. It was something along the lines of, what? What? You can't do that. You're the best prospect in the whole pot. Maybe in baseball. This is AAA. What are you doing? Well, all the fans who had their headsets on <laughs> at, at the same time, it seemed, turned and were pumping fists and, and <laughs> slapping high fives in the air at Jackson. And, and I'll tell you, Right then, I knew I was going to keep that kid on the air with me as long as he wanted to come on. And and it, what what it did was was one more thing, and Jackson would attest to this, I think, Carl. One more thing was he really did a job connecting people uh, with with his with his nine year old word pictures from what was going on on the field to being able to translate it so very well uh, in his microphone. And, and that's, that's a gift you can't teach at Carl as you as you well know. So, so having said all that, Jackson, what in your mind is baseball doing in terms of radio and television and, and media in general, are they doing enough? Are they doing the right things to market themselves like the NBA, I, I just have a, I just have a sneaking suspicion as I watch all three of the big leagues, uh, NBA, NFL, and and Major League Baseball, and maybe NHL, that baseball is 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 behind in marketing its players, and I just think they can do so much more with the media they have at at their disposal. Yeah, so I'd go with this on that. I say, you know, from a social media perspective, baseball does a great job. Um, obviously, you want to build around the guys that are future stars, the Fernando Tatis Juniors who just signed a big contract. You want to build around the Carlos Correa's, the young guys like that. So I feel like if you get guys to go out on these different platforms, players to show, hey, this is what we're doing behind the scenes, I think that's what people would like to see. And also have the game of baseball be fun. Uh, a lot of other sports have the game uh, going out and having a good time. And so, you know, baseball's a grind compared to any other sports. But I feel like we do a good job from the social media aspect. I feel like TV is all right because they're all different with different organizations because they all have different TV markets. So, you know, the Seattle Mariners aren't going to have the same amount of money that the New York Yankees have. And so – I feel like we're doing all right in that situation. I just feel like we need to get more kids to play the game of baseball, and that starts at the youth level and making sure kids have fun because most kids quit playing baseball or sports in general at age 14 because they don't have fun. And so, like, I feel if we have guys that are having fun and enjoying playing the game, and that would be helpful in the social media aspects of all baseball. Let me give you a couple of ideas here, Carl. I I don't mean to interrupt you there. Yes, sir. Let me give you a couple of ideas here. And Jackson, I want, I want both of you guys, you're, you're obviously way younger than me, both of you, to weigh in on these. I would love to see 
uh, some major league radio people do a little bit more in having kids involved on their broadcast. You don't have to turn uh, an inning or or two or three over to a youngster, but but why not make them a part of the broadcast maybe once a week just to get them excited, just to, just to introduce them to another side of the game they may not have seen. The other side of it, the TV side of it, I really would love to see. And, and a lot of people, if you'll remember when – Baseball began miking the managers for those between innings interviews were were a little bit hesitant because of how they thought it might have invaded the space of those in the dugout. I'd like I'd love to see TV showing some scenes back in the clubhouse as guys are are working, stretching, getting ready to come out to pinch hit, uh, out in the bullpen, some of the things that really go on. I mean, up close and personally. And not just from the center field camera or from the right field or left field cameras. I mean, a real look at what it's like when that call comes to the bullpen and and what happens. The same thing about the clubhouses. I mean, it, there's there's ways to do this that you can really bring baseball out to people who who, who maybe think they know what happens behind the scenes, but but really they don't. Both of your well, thoughts on that? Well, I think we might have to f- have an R-rated version, perhaps, because uh, that'll be hard for live TV to, you know, bleep out all the adult language potentially, or you know, it, it, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah that, that's that's probably the one thing that you know, if you had the the bench mic'd up, then everybody knows that the bench mic'd up, so maybe they'll uh, calm it down. But you know, I, I was kind of thinking back to what Jackson was saying. How do you make the game more fun? Because I was one of those kids who, third grade, uh, I. You know, first year of kid pitch, I had too many 55 mile an hour, you know, whatever you want to call them, I guess fastballs, that's all you can really throw in third grade, uh, hit me, you know, and that was pretty much the end of it. I wasn't really interested in playing baseball because I didn't really find it all that fun. So like, what do you do? Because baseball is such kind of almost a battle against the purists to keep it the same uh, but, you know, for this new younger generation, how do you maybe try to change up what some of the purists would say aren't fun, you know, like bat flips and things like that, uh, that you, you do want to maybe see in, you know, you, you see very much like in the Korean leagues. I'm sure that that's a very popular thing out there, uh, you know, what they do for fun versus what we do. You know, Jackson, what, what do you kind of think about you know, what What Mike was saying in terms of making the broadcast more fun at the higher levels where you have the technology to do those things, but also at the younger levels, you know, kind of what is more of the leeway away from those purist ideas that uh, have kind of weighed down the game a little bit. Yeah, so I would say, you know, having kids come in and be on a PA announcing, you know, what players coming up to bat in the order when, like they do sometimes at the big leagues or having people come in and sit in in a radio booth or even, you know, maybe call, you know, an inning or listen in and be around certain individuals from a broadcast perspective. Um, But for making the game more fun, I think it's, you know, enjoying being out there in the sense of, you know, some guys aren't going to like the bat flips. Um, It is what it is. You know, if you don't want them bat flipping, then you got to get them out. And so, you know, I think for having a perspective of, you know, it's first to third. We're going to go and try to make it first to home on a ground ball to a left field line. And having guys like Ken Griffey Jr. that would just put on a smile and enjoy the game and 
you know, having ambassadors that are good representations for MLB is the way to do that. Well, I think there's no question about that. You're listening to old school, new school broadcasting. Mike Capps, partner at SHN and voice of the Round Rock Express, Carl Schoening, one of the original founders of SHN Sports, alongside Jackson Ryan, our guest. Jackson, it, it's it's so much fun to be around you and your passion for this game. And, and, and I got to tell you, I think it really rubs off on people. You have such great friends now, and, and they're helping you in so many ways because right up front, uh, it, it's, it's obvious that your dream is to be a general manager in the major leagues, and you have certainly the knowledge. But you've hooked up with some pretty good guys. First of all, Gene Watson, who's the assistant general manager for the L.A. Angels now and the former uh, special assistant to the general manager in Kansas City, you and Gino have developed a real rapport. Take us through some of the things he's done to really give you, Jackson Ryan, the inside look at what goes on in front offices, for instance. Yeah, so back when COVID first started uh, started up back in March and April, we knew we weren't going to have a season starting at the beginning of the year. And so Gene would tell me to come over and come watch all their meetings. So I'd go through – you know, there are 20 through 80 scale of players. We're going to go over different prospects from different organizations and what the Kansas City Royals were looking for. And so I'd be over at his house for, you know, three, four, five hours just listening to all different kinds of meetings. And he really took me under his wing. And I can't thank him enough for doing that. And he showed me how to do different things from a, you know, a talent perspective. Okay, this is, you know, 50 is a major league average. Here's Guys, uh, you know, their bats of 60, their fieldings of 40. Here's where they fit on the scale. This is what we're looking for at the time in the Kansas City Royals organization and what they're trying to do to accomplish another championship there in Kansas City. And so to be able to listen to all those meetings, I've been very fortunate to do that, to hear all the phone calls, to hear different perspectives of the game from a major league perspective was really awesome to be around and you know, Gene goes back to my grandfather back with the Texas Rangers. And so I've had a really good relationship with him and he's helped me along the way a whole lot. And I can't thank him enough. Okay. I want you to, I want you to, to, to come out and explain a little bit more about this rating scale for players, because I think that's integral to what you were, the point you were trying to make. It's on an 80 scale, right? Yes, sir. Eights at the top. Mm-hmm. And it goes 40 to 80 and 50s major league average. And when you start to get a player who has an overall talent score and, and the whole compendium is banging on six and a half to just under eight, you're talking about the real deal. Yes, sir. So it would be, you know, you look at hit, run, hit for power field and throw. Those are the five areas you're looking for in a player. And then you basis, uh, scale on how well he does and how well his arm strength is and what he does at the plate and how he performs. And so that's how you rate that 20 through 80 scale. Um, the eights are going to be Hall of Famers. They're going to be, you know, the Craig Biggios, the Ken Griffey Juniors, the, you know, guys like that, the Johnny Benches. And then you're going to have the major league average is a 50 and then anything below that is below major league average. But, you know, you may have a guy that has a, 70, 80 speed, you know, and he has a 
30, 35, 40 bat, but he's going to be your 26 man on the roster that's going to come into the postseason and is going to steal a huge base and make a difference in an ALCS or mm. a World Series game that can ultimately change an outcome of a World Series. And so you're looking for all different guys. You're not just evaluating your guys. You're evaluating everybody in all minor leagues with all different organizations. So, for instance, you'd be like, okay, we're going to go over this division with this league and we're going to go over their prospects and how do they fit at the time when Gene was with the Royals into the Kansas City Royals philosophy and what they were doing. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Gene Watson. I'm sure he's a great guy to, to learn from because, you know, football and basketball, more or less, it's easy to kind of identify who the prospects are that are going to make it to, you know, the professional ranks at the highest level. But, you know, baseball really is just kind of the you have to scout every corner you can and you can find diamonds in the rough pretty much anywhere you know like wouldn't be wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world to find somebody who eventually makes the majors out of like a texas a&m kingsville so you, you know what are maybe some of the things that you've kind of learned in your experiences on just what you would need to do and first off to get into that kind of position to get into like front offices i assume it would be sort of this kind of scouting that we're talking about but you know how you would scout because I'm sure that you could probably go to just a random high school a and find somebody that's worth a uh, top 15 pick there yeah so you're looking at everything from background checks to you know what does the guy look at on on what does he post on social media to you know what is he like off the field how does he treat his family to you know what is his skill asset and so you know, I think it's more of you can find anybody in the rough, but you got to be able to go out and put in the time and go to places that nobody else can. And, you know, I would I would like to be in the scouting or just anything on the player baseball development side um, eventually someday. And my goal is to become a GM and I would, you know, be willing to do anything. You got to be willing to do whatever you can do in the game to just get yourself in the door and then work your way up and you know, really just to shut up and take in as much information as you can. So, Jackson, when when you sit down to talk to Gene Watson or to any of the other baseball people you are around, I mean, your grandfather, your dad, what other little bits and pieces do you pick up that when you hear them said, you say to yourself, you know, I need to make a mental note and then write that down and never forget it. Does that happen to you? Yes, it does. It's more of like, okay, here's a oh, oh, 01 count. This is a type of pitch, you know, my grandfather would throw or whoever I'm talking to against this batter because he couldn't hit a breaking ball that well or he couldn't hit a changeup down in a way. And, you know, I was looking for this in this situation, whether it was a 4-6-3 double play or I was looking for the strikeout in this situation because I knew who was coming up next inning and what he could do against me. And so I feel like you're always learning in the game of baseball. You're never going to know everything about the game, obviously. And we're all just sharing it for bits of time because eventually, you know, you're never bigger than the game and eventually the game's going to move on past you. And so I've had great mentors and people that have wanted me to be successful. And that means a lot to me. Well, it's imprinted in your soul just from who you are at birth, but 
but you've also had a passion that you've not uh, done anything but add to. You're listening to Old School, New School Broadcasting. Mike Capps, voice of the Round Rock Express and one of the partners in SHN Sports. Carl Schoening, one of the original founders alongside. And Jackson Ryan, who's a junior at Mary Harden Baylor and uh, former D3 pitcher, Division three pitcher in baseball. And uh, we are really having a great time with him. And when you when Jackson, when, when you sit down again with a guy like Tom House, Dr. Tom House was the pitching coach for your grandfather with the Texas Rangers 30 years ago. And I got to know Tom very, very well. I was working in Dallas-Fort Worth then, and we're still friends. But Tom has basically not worried about what people thought. He had he had pitchers in Major League Baseball throwing a football around, and old-time baseball people really criticized him for that. But Tom has built – what I think is an absolute tremendous business. He is the pitching guru, the throwing guru, the biomechanical guru for baseball and football. And just some of his clients include NFL's quarterbacks like Drew Brees and Tom Brady, major league pitchers. But Jackson, I want I want you to come back and, and tell us a lot about what you do, but but there's a there's a there's basically a breaking news story about Dr. Tom and a young pitcher from Maine named Justin Courtney. Take us through that story. Yes, I will. So Justin came to us through the mustard app. Mustard is what Tom has been doing for the past 50 years. We're going to put into a cell phone. And so Justin came to us about three months ago. He was just out of Maine sitting about 87, 88 and 12 weeks with all the different research, with all the different mental, emotional, um, sleep, uh, food, however you do things with what Tom does. He ended up going in 12 weeks up to 97, 98 miles an hour. Sitting. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're talking about when you say sitting, that's an average 87 mile an hour fastball, taking it to an average of 97. Yes, sir. So he ended up going up to 97, 98. And he ended up signing a minor league contract with the Los Angeles Angels. And so he will be going to spring training um, in April. And hopefully he'll make one of their clubs, um, farm clubs. And so this has been a very uh, successful story so far. And Justin's put in all the work. All the credit goes to Tom and uh, one of our guys in Mustard, Jordan, and then for Justin as well, because they did everything they need to do Um to get him that opportunity. And now it's up to Justin to see what he can do with it. But it's been awesome to be a part of that situation. And, you know, I wish nothing but the best for Justin. And I can't wait to get out there in a, a couple of weeks to go out and meet Justin in person. Well, it's, it, it's such a tremendous story, but I want you to back up now, now that we've told that story and I want you to take us through what exactly what mustard is exactly who it's open to and take us through a day at, of what Tom house does with mustard and, and instruction and what you do when you go to San Diego to help him out. Yeah. So mustard's going to be all of the biomechanical things, um, mental, emotional, sleep, nutrition, everything that Tom does in a three day stat camp is going to be put into this app. So this app will give you an open side view. 
and a front side view, and it'll give you three key frames of max leg lift, foot strike, ball release, and then it's going to give you nine key variables that a pitcher has. After that, it's going to say, hey, your head's off by this amount percentage, your foot strike's off by this amount percentage. These are the type of drills, oral hersizer, X drill, towel drill, rocker leaper drill that my grandfather Randy Johnson did to help with their mechanics and to throw harder that guys uh, can help out to gain proper velocity and to not lose it. And so that's what mustard is. With the day with Tom out on these three-day camps, we'll do uh, things of mental emotional the last day. We'll go and uh, go over different drills to see where they're at, you know, velocity-wise. And then eventually after three days, we'll be able to tell a player what he needs to do or what she needs to do in order to gain proper velocity and – you know, gain that extra edge that that player may need to get to the next level. What do you feel like when you come away from those weekends in San Diego? Do you feel a a real emotional rush? I I feel very blessed to be a part of it. Tom has allowed me to get in and to coach these guys. And, you know, I've just been very blessed to be able to be around him and to understand what he does and to have him – really want me to be successful means a lot. He, and as well as Gene Watson, have really helped me a ton, as well as other guys like Tim Grieve, uh, Tony Howe, I can go on and on, that have helped me to get where I want to be eventually, hopefully someday. And just to know there's people out there that support me and what I want to do means a lot to what I'm, to me. And, and you know, it, it's funny, uh, you know, you, you talk about all these people that, you know, you've, you've met and, you know, you kind of bring a younger perspective, but you've grown up in it and they've obviously worked in it and grown up in it. The name of this podcast is Old School, New School Broadcasting, but we're kind of going to go old school, new school baseball. So, you know, when I would say, you know, the whole Moneyball era really brought in all these new advanced ratings. Uh, one of the things that I've always been kind of curious about, and you could probably mention other things too, that probably didn't exist back when Mike even started broadcasting for the Express was something like spin rate, you know, but like things like that kind of really do play a lot into decision factors of, you know, you're talking about that guy that's going to be the kind of triple A or 26th man on the roster. Uh, What are those kind of advanced things that you, you know, have sort of become new school baseball uh, that you've kind of had to, you know, learn if you're an old school guy that are just kind of part of the game? Yeah, so, you know, you talked about spin rate as well as hard hit percentage, um, defensive shifts, you know, for a guy, for instance, that's a dead pool hitter, it makes sense to have your second baseman in right field and have your shortstop over because you would rather give up a single to a power hitter than give up a two-run homer, um, you know, playing straight up or give up that RBI double. And so, you know, I feel like you need to blend in old school and new school baseball because it's, you can't just go all analytics, but you can't just go all old school baseball as well. And so I feel like when you have the right mixture and the right people uh, with both scenarios that know how to bring up their points, that's when you're going to be the most successful as an organization. And some examples of that, you know, we had it in Houston with 2017 with the Astros, the 2015 Royals. Um, Guys that put the ball in play, it means a lot. Today, the three true outcomes are great, but when you have guys that can put the ball in play, it really uh, speeds up the game for the opposition and for that pitcher. And so I feel like you got to blend both. 
And one more question. Uh, you talked about the shifts. Why could Ryan Howard never just place a bunt down the third baseline? I mean, it's, you know, you got to be willing to do what you can do and you know what it takes practice. And, you know, I guess, you know, he felt like he would rather, you know, hit a double down the right field line or do whatever he was do would do. But, you know, I think it's more of the guys that need to have their role for a certain situation. And when you have a guy that's a power hitter, his goal is to drive in runs. And so, you know, if he, if he did that, then he did his job. That, that That's true. You know, it, it's just kind of the, the craziest thing. And I'm sure Mike can maybe attest to it, but I feel like the shifts really have changed the game, how the game is played because of all of these, you know, stats that we have of you see these uh, percentage charts where it's like okay like only 10 percent of his uh you know balls that put into play go to the left side of the shortstop so uh, I, you know i just baseball really is just such a chess game on, on a higher level than any other sport in my opinion oh it always has been and it's a mental game too you got to be able to figure out you know okay we got a runner at first and third with one out with this type of hitter up, what are we looking for defensively and what are we looking for offensively and to score that run? And whether it's, you know, you got a guy at third with one out and you squeeze to get that necessary run in in the later innings, or, you know, you end up walking a guy because you have a better matchup of righty on righty when you have a guy that's right-handed throwing 96 with a sinker, 95 with a sinker, and you know you got an opportunity for a double play to get out of the inning. And so it's really a chess game between managers and, you know, GMs have helped out along the way and baseball, you know, personnel. And so really it is a big chess game. No doubt about it. Now, as we finish with Jackson Ryan here on old school, new school broadcasting, and we've turned it into, as Carl just said a minute ago, old school, new school baseball, which is fine because that's really what Jackson and I do for a living. Um, it's been duly noted here that you intend to be a general manager in Major League Baseball. And take us through the steps. I mean, you're going through the steps right now. What is missing besides experience in, in your uh, toolbox, if you will, of tools that will finish you off and make you uh, an outstanding general manager in the big leagues? I think along with experience, it's just also knowing how the daily grind works and all the systems of, you know, an organization. There's so many guys and so many different uh, things you got to go through inside an organization. And, you know, I really would, you know, just like to get in somewhere with some team and, you know, start at the very bottom and just listen and try to gain as much knowledge as I can. And so, you know, I, my dream is to be a GM someday, but I know I've got a lot of work ahead of me to, you know, see if I can even get to that situation. And if not, then, you know what, I'm going to give it my best try. And so, you know, I want to just do the best I can every day and make my family as proud as they can every day. Well, they already are. I can tell you that. But but one other thing that, that really strikes me about you and, and watching you grow up for, gee whiz, 21 years. Yikes. Um, is this over the last three or four, you have really settled into a situation now where, uh, your emotions are not going to override 
your good sense in every kind of situation. And, and I say that not even advisedly because I've watched you grow up. We couldn't have had this discussion, say, three or four years ago about what was going to happen to you or what what your goal was. I don't think I just think you've grown up that much uh, courtesy of your mom and dad and grandmother and grandfather, uh, Tom House, Gene Watson, Pedro Grillfall, all those guys that you've worked with. Yes. No, I've been, like I said before, very fortunate to have that. The people around me that want me to grow and, you know, are willing to share information about the game and really inspire the younger generation to get more involved in the game. And and that's what I want to do is to pay it forward. And, you know, it's all a baseball family for a reason. We call it the baseball family, obviously, with the Express. You know, we have our huge baseball family. And, you know, when you have people that care about you, it goes a long way and you want to make them look really good and, you know, make them proud for helping you get to where you want to possibly be. Yep. And that give it back. That's so huge. Yes, for sure. Listen, we really enjoyed it partner. And, uh, we got to have you and house on here at the same time before we're done with these programs. No, for sure. And I look forward to opening day, April 8th against Las Vegas, you know, for minor league season. <laughs> Uh, you, you and me both, pal. <laughs> Carl, anything else? No, no. Thank you so much for joining us, Jackson. Looking forward to just seeing where you go. You know, I've only had the pleasure of meeting your father once at a Spurs game and may, maybe a couple times at an Express game if uh, my memory slips me. But, you know, uh, like you said, that Express family that I've just kind of gotten to know from sort of a distance, all, all great people. And it's nice to have met you on this podcast. And uh, I'm just kind of. Really looking forward to see uh, where your baseball story goes because uh, I'm sure your future's bright. No, Carl, I appreciate y'all, and thank you again for having me on your podcast. You bet. You've been listening to Old School, New School Broadcasting, Mike Caps, Carl Schoening, and Jackson Ryan. Our guests, you've been listening to SHN Sports.